0: Hello, it's Tuesday the 31st of October and welcome to Paper Cuts. I'm Jacob Jarvis, here to uncover the tricks or treats hidden behind today's front pages. Every day we throw a sheet over our heads and haunt the hacks of Fleet Street, saying boo to bad headlines and giving jump scares to journalists along the way. We're proudly independent ghouls, and you can help support our spooky endeavours by dishing out some candy to the Papercut Supporters Club. Just visit back.papercutshow.com. That's bac show.com to find out how. There is also a link in the show note. Now, let's read all the headlines for today's edition. Captain Chaos. How Johnson made it impossible for the government to tackle COVID properly. Scare tactics. Halloween isn't as scary as it used to be. Do look back in anger, unleash your inner hulk to fire yourself to success. Welcome to Papercuts where we read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts. I'm Jacob Jarvis here to eat, drink and be scary. Being creepy with me today is comedy writer Gronya Maguire. Hello Gronya.
1: But I died 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Grania, what's your what's your dream Halloween costume, um, other than Victorian ghost girl as you are appearing in the studio today?
1: Well, um, I love it when, you know, like Americans are so good, they always dress up as like super topical cultural figures, people from t- hit TV shows. So I think I would like to dress up as Dominic Cummings, given evidence at the COVID inquiry. Nice,
0: yeah, that would be pretty scary, I imagine. Uh, we also have with us today new Statesman columnist John M Hello, John. Hello. John, what is the worst Halloween
2: costume that you've ever, ever worn? Every Halloween costume I've ever worn <laughs> has been terrible because I fucking hate Halloween. <laughs> so I've never made any effort with it in my life. Probably the laziest one was when like, I was sharing a, a, a flat when I was an undergrad and my roommate wanted for a party. And I decided I would go as Arthur Dent from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, who um, spends the whole of it in a dressing gown.
0: Okay. So nice. I just didn't fucking <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> Did you have pockets or was that a... I had pockets, okay. yeah. I mean, there was there was room for stuff. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, so what have we got on the front pages today? John, what have you got? So um, the front pages are still very much focused on the Middle East today. Um, the Daily Telegraph was is Israel Free's kidnapped soldier in Gaza raid. Um, the Guardian has Israeli PM rules out ceasefire and declares this is a time for war. So two different angles there. Um, Daily Mail continuing its run of... Taking a slightly different angle from everyone else and doing, like, reports from the ground and so on. Its, its headline is Pawns of the Terrorists. Um, and it's talking about Netanyahu condemning the barbarians of Hamas as they parade three of the uh, kidnapped Israeli women in a hostage video. Um, I slightly stumbled reading that out because above the words pawns of the terrorists, it says Nadine Doris, <laughs> um, which which is actually about uh, I'm a celebrity, but it's I was thinking, well, that's an unexpected twist. Um <laughs> Last but not least, I have the Times, which um, still, like some of the papers, are trying to find their own angles and their own ways of making this into something that fits neatly into, into one of their existing obsessions, which is the only way I can explain why the Times splashed today is civil servants wanted to ban Israel from AI talks.
0: Okay. Gráinne, what have you got?
1: Uh, so the Eye are also leading with the story of the female soldier rescued from Gaza. And then they're covering the COVID inquiry. The headline is, Johnson made it impossible for UK to tackle COVID, top advisor says. Uh, the Mirror, they are also covering the COVID inquiry. Headline, tragic joke and then a picture of Boris Johnson looking a bit sort of baffled and startled.
0: (laughs) Did he look otherwise at any (laughs) point, really?
1: (laughs) Um, If you thought the government was incompetent and dishonest during the pandemic, turns out you were right. Now we know their own advisors thought they were also uh, a bit of a mess. Uh, Then The Sun, they're covering um, the Madeleine McCann story, 16 years on. Maddie cops finally say sorry to Kate and Gerry. And then the Daily Star, once again, covering the stories that, you know, other other periodicals are too scared to go near. Are there Klingons lurking around Uranus? (laughs) So I don't know how hard people went at it this weekend with Halloween and whether strange things are happening around Uranus. But uh, they think this planet with the best name in the universe may help. Boffins discover aliens.
2: Great one for the Boffins there. Oh, Boffins. It's it's actually pronounced Uranus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that headline doesn't really work. <laughs> On Monday, there was more shocking evidence from the COVID inquiry. With it emerging, Simon Kay suggested that Boris Johnson couldn't lead during the pandemic. I think we all knew that already, but he did come out with some things that we didn't know. John, what
2: are the main news lines emerging here? Okay, so I've got it down to five of the most damning points. Okay. Number one, Simon Case uh, complained that Boris Johnson was changing his mind uh, every time he talked to Matt Hancock, Gavin Williamson or Grant Shapps and suddenly getting really gung-ho about, you know, taking a strong stance against lockdown and so on. Uh, And Simon Case said, we really, really need a reshuffle and a totally new approach to how this government works. So that's one. Um, Boris Johnson took a 10-day break in February 2020, during the um, winter half-term period, <laughs> yes. um, during which he received not a single update about the COVID situation. This was between the 14th and 24th of February. Um, on the 21st of February, Lombardy went into lockdown. Mm. Still nobody is talking to the PM. He's only at Chequers, by the way. He's not on some island. He's in Buckinghamshire. Childcare for an unknown amount of children is quite hard to arrange, though, I <laughs> Do we really think Boris Johnson was involved in the childcare? <laughs> right Do we think that? Um so, another down, number three, another damning quote from Simon Case. Here, there's a text from him accusing the then Prime Minister of changing strategic direction every day. The team captain cannot change the call of the big plays every day, he said. My favourite quote from the actual proceedings yesterday, uh, Hugo Keith Casey, asked Martin Reynolds, who was Boris Johnson's PBS at the time, did you say we have a major problem here? We've got to get in touch with the Prime Minister. We must raise the issue of whether or not these are urgent steps we are required to take straight away. Mr. Reynolds replied, no. (laughs) So the Prime Minister is off on his holidays. Nobody is thinking about talking to him. The most damning thing of all to come out yesterday was the accusation that Boris Johnson asked why the economy should be destroyed, quote, for people who will die soon anyway. And you know that's that's basically your grand. He's talking about there.
0: If that's completely correct, I mean that makes me think that not contacting him wasn't the the worst <laughs> course of action. To be honest, You're other right. people it, might. It,
2: it is possible that these these various damning revelations sort of counteract each other. I mean, like it does just add up to like Boris Johnson should not have been prime minister. Really, I think, but we kind of already knew that, didn't we? Did we? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how are the different papers covering this
0: though? Because it seems like. Some places just, just aren't.
2: It's yeah, no, there's quite a range. Um so so the the I has done its normal, um, decent but unexciting write up where like you see, if you want all your key facts in the story, you go mm. to the eye. Um The Guardian has it on the front page, it's quite dull. The mirror has really gone big with it, it's splashed on. Now we know even their own advisors thought they were a tragic joke. Uh, a couple of the right-wing papers have um have sort of semi buried it the sun uh, has it on you know it's just a, it's a page lead on page 6 but it's really playing it down it's got it in there just like you know today in westminster the telegraph has it on the front page but it's found a completely different angle it's got some it's got the scientific advisors turning their fire on dominic cummings it doesn't mention the simon case stuff at all okay. that's inside on page 9 but it's leader column Uh, amazingly, is actually about how appalling it is that Martin Reynolds allowed the deletion of WhatsApps. Okay, so Um,
0: there was was that sort of setting you can do, isn't there, which makes all the WhatsApps delete after a certain amount of time.
2: And, you know, they've got a good point that actually, you know, we should have a record of government. But it's interesting that The Telegraph, the former employer of Boris Johnson, did not find room in its editorial column to comment on whether or not he was a good leader during this period. My favourite, though, is the Daily Mail doesn't mention it, (laughs) as far as I can tell. I only got through to about page 20, um, but I could not see a single reference to the COVID inquiry at all in the Daily Mail. They're just pretending it's not going on.
0: Gronje, does it feel a bit surreal reading all of this, and particularly that some places are ignoring it too?
1: No, it doesn't, I cannot, I can, do you know, I almost understand why some newspapers aren't covering it because I cannot bear seeing that man's face. And there's, like, are we genuinely supposed to be surprised by this? Like, it's like, it feels like, you know, a a friend who's going out with the worst person in the world and you hear it in and out, all the things he did to her. And then she finally breaks up with him and then she tells you more and you're like, I know all this, I know all this. There's nothing surprising about this. He was a gormless... Idiot who should never have been given the job in the first place, and now will he have any consequences? Probably not. It's just, oh my god, I'm just i self self care is avoiding any story to do with that man.
0: Well, one of the consequences might be that he ends up back on our TV screens, apparently with a, a GB News show. Does this that make that even more gross than it already already was?
1: It just, I feels like what's that. Famous Mitford quote, you know, the idea that you're supposed to, you can't punish somebody, but you can like embarrass people. <laughs> I, I'm misquoting her very much, but I feel like he's beyond embarrassment. He's just this black hole of ego and need. And I genuinely think he seems to live in this absolute abyss where nothing matters. And I'm mainly scared because he's working at GB News. I live near the GB News studios. I'm genuinely terrified. I'm going to bump into him in Marks and Spencers and, like, fancy him. That is my... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do so... you think there's a high risk of that? <laughs> I, uh,
1: I mean, I've, you know, I'm a happily married woman, but I just feel yeah. like that is mainly what I'm concerned about because I can imagine a one-to-one I bet he's so charismatic because he's so manipulative I'm genuinely scared that if I did bump into him like over you know the biscuits in the Marks and Spencer aisle that I'll be like oh actually maybe he's not that bad he's a terrible person he should never have been Prime Minister all of this is like what we kind of already knew
0: Today is Halloween, but before you break out a sexy cat or dress up as Barbie or Ken, take a pause to consider how frightening you might look. Because apparently, All Hallows' Eve isn't as scary as it used to be. According to a piece in G2, Halloween wasn't always as tame as it is now. The festivities were once about fire, communion with the dead and chasing the devil. Grania, can you talk me through this story?
1: Okay, this is something I feel very passionately about. (laughs) As an Irish person living in... Your United Kingdom. Okay, here's the thing that drives me up the wall. So many English people go, Oh, hey, Halloween, it's an American thing. I hate these American festivals. It is an Irish festival. <laughs> we invented it. It's Iha it's Irish. Then we moved to America and it became very okay. successful. It's basically like Seer Sharonan. We created it. <laughs> and then the Americans took it to the next level. Um, so, this is a very important piece by Emma Beddington in The Guardian, where she goes through the sort of dark, murky origins of this festival. So, in the sort of Celtic world, this is the time of the year where the space between our world and the other world is at its most liminal, it's okay. at its most um, thin.
0: So we're, we're touching cloth with the Never Elm. Exactly. So right
1: and I, think it's, I, I, I do think it's really good because I, I think it's like the world, you know, we live in a very strange world. Life is difficult and complicated. And I think it's good to have a festival that acknowledges the darkness in the human existence. And that's what Halloween originally was about.
0: So what traditions are there that they talk about in here? And are there any that you could... You wish was stuck around.
1: So they, so according to Emma, uh, around Halloween you would throw a cabbage stalk at your neighbor's door, then try to knock them over with the cabbage. Then there was running around corn to summon the devil, burning nuts with your significant other to see which of you will die first, which apparently on some apps is people's kink, so good for them. (laughs) And then
2: you will go door to door
1: asking for food and with a hollowed-out turnip lit with a candle representing a soul in purgatory.
0: It sounds to me like we can blame this on the Tories too, that it's just uh, ASBOs have ruined Halloween. (laughs) If there weren't antisocial behaviour orders, we could have so much more fun.
1: Any festival that acknowledges a soul in purgatory is one I can get behind. Yep. Like that's what we need. I so in Ireland we we really do like take it much more seriously. Like I remember, so my granny the night of Halloween she used to do this thing where if she'd like mop the floor instead of like just emptying the bucket out the back door, she would throw flour first. And her reasoning was because there's so many like ghosts and pukas and, you know, spirits around, she didn't want to accidentally empty her bucket of water over them. So then if you throw some flour, you'd see the outline if there was anybody there and then you would not pour water over them.
2: It's like Angela's ashes in here some mornings, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> in this spread, there are a few pretty creepy looking photos, Grania. What are some of your favourites, sir?
1: Oh, God. There's a giant pumpkin head with a load of like 1950s beach girls underneath it. Um, basically, a lot of them look like American horror stories. So a lot of farmers with pitchforks and really like sinister Wizard of Oz. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like a haunted gothic Wizard of Oz. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this sort of old school Halloween darkness.
0: I, well, I believe costumes should have to be homemade, yes. really. It needs to be a little bit shit. If someone's got too slick an outfit, I'm sort of like, no, you needed <coughs> to have done a bit of arts and crafts earlier to sort this out.
1: It is, but when we were younger... Because he'd watch Halloween and it would be all like American Halloween, obviously. And he'd see the costumes. And I remember every year I'd be like, I'm going to have a really good costume next year. I'm going to have a really good costume. And every single year it was the same bin bag and then <laughs> one pound mask over your face. And I was <laughs> raging. I was like, I'm going to be like American. <laughs> so disappointing.
2: John, would you like Halloween more if it were genuinely scary?
1: Yeah.
2: Um. May. Uh... <laughs> I just hate. I mean, I do hate the Americanization thing. I'm sorry, I didn't know it was Irish. I apologize for my cultural insensitivity there. Um, but it's like when I was a kid, bonfire night was the big thing this time of year, and it's kind of just been ramroded yeah. by Halloween. Yeah. And you know, I love burning Catholics. It's one of my. It's one of my Truth. favorite leisure activities. <laughs> I love like standing up against the might of the Spanish Empire, um, and also like you know, I could never convincingly dress as a sexy anything. It's just like it's the, 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 the deck is stacked against me. So I just hate the expectation that you make an F. I went to a Halloween party on Saturday and I wore a jacket. I haven't worn since 2015. And I said I came as myself when I still had hope. That's about as much effort as I'm willing to make.
0: I'd really like there to be some listener suggestions of what outfits would make John look sexy. No,
2: <laughs> no, cut that. Get that in when you tweet the you best Don't dare headline. leave that in. <laughs>
0: We've been bobbing for apples to pick out some sweet headlines from the murky waters of the middle pages today. So what gems have we spotted? John, what headlines have you got? So I've actually got some
2: good ones today. Well, well done to the papers and the production team. <laughs> um, on page nine of The Star, uh, there is a story about a smart chicken coop which can tell us what chickens are chatting about using artificial intelligence. Um, it uses Sorry. an AI system known as Albert Eggstein. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Um,
0: <laughs> this, is, this is actually
2: not quite as ridiculous as the story. I mean, I, I was literally swearing at the paper when this was put in front of me. Uh, but if you read it, it's actually not quite as ridiculous as it sounds. It uses sound detection software to measure the decibels and patterns of clucks and chirps to establish the chicken's mood. You can tell if they're hungry, if they're happy, if they're in danger. I think this actually sounds like, you know, if, if, if you're a chicken farmer, if you're the sort of person who has a lot of chickens, this is probably useful. Anyway, the headline is Coops Clucking clever. It's pretty good. It's I like not that. Bad. Yeah. What else have you got? Uh, even better, the cost of living crisis has reached such a level that um, one of the most valuable uh, items you can have on the black market now is a portable toilet. Uh, Mafia style crime <laughs> gangs are driving cops potty by stealing portaloos after a shortage sent prices soaring. Um, <laughs> but the headline, which is, uh, is excellent, poo done it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, any chance they've got to do a little yeah.
0: a crap pun is is good for me. Gronja, what have you got?
1: Uh, well, obviously, the big news that we haven't covered so far today is that the Yorkshire Shepherdess is making her TV comeback. Who, who's that? So this is Amanda <laughs> Owen, who apparently is doing very well because she's making sheep relevant again and she's making her big tv comeback along with her husband who she had an affair on but now is working again on her tv okay. show with and the headline is u-turn okay so for this sport, you have to okay <laughs> yes, imagine sir. it's like you but instead it's e W-E. So, U-turn. So,
0: okay, I feel like you need to know a lot about this person who I have no idea who they are for this to work, but I quite like it. Do you,
1: do the <laughs> research. Go on a Wikipedia page. Pause this. Then go back, read the headline.
0: Uh, what's your second one?
1: Then also uh, in the sun, uh, the news that Britain's smallest police station has opened and it's only eight foot by six foot. The headline is Starsky and Hut.
0: Nice. Ah. Starsky and Hut.
2: That actually worked if they left it as Hutch.
0: I mean, they, they've tried too hard there, haven't they? They, they have tried too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Now ask yourself, when was the last time that you lost your temper? And then ask, how successful am I? Because apparently those two things might be related. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) According to the star, mild-mannered boffins say getting angry like the Hulk is the key to success. John, what are they on about?
2: So this is another one of those, you know, like we talk about these quite a lot in this show, don't we? Like some some academic in the US does a piece of research that none of us are massively convinced by, but it somehow gets write-ups in all the paper. Um, Professor Heather Lynch of Texas A&M University um, asked a thousand different students to play different games in different emotional states and then looked at the results. And apparently the angry uh, game players Tended to win, okay. so from this, the mild-mannered boffins have concluded that uh, getting angry is the key to success, and they are saying, and the papers are saying, this is why uh, Alex Ferguson, John McEnroe, Gordon Ramsay, those type of people have done so well in life. Uh, and uh, the star has illustrated it with a picture of the Incredible Hulk uh, in full kind of green angry mode. It's seventies Incredible Hulk. It's not kind of like you know, what's the actor called? The sexy new Hulk.
1: Uh, Mark Ruffalo.
2: Mark Ruffalo. It's not sexy Mark Ruffalo Hulk. It's it's, it's bad hair, 70s Hulk. The I was going to say Edward Norton, so I'm oh, out of the loop Hulk when it comes to Hulk. My, Hulk, <laughs> my Hulk references. <laughs> also, they've photoshopped it incredibly badly. Bits of this picture are not green. <laughs> yeah, but I think he looks like an attainable Hulk out of all of them. That's what they've gone <laughs> for the like, 70s. It's yeah. yeah, it's a Hulk. This is a Hulk body image that you can get to. I can do that hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Gran. yeah, the son has got this and they've gone for a different character to the Hulk, haven't they? They've actually gone for... Gordon Ramsay of Kitchen Nightmares fame himself, haven't they?
1: I mean, how do you think Gordon Ramsay feels about it when, you know, he aimed, I assume, at some stage of his life to be, you know, the world's best chef, Michelin starred, and now he's just become the emoji for rage. Yeah, it's basically they're
0: they're (laughs) negating the fact that he's good at cooking and just saying, you're a twat and that's why you're really successful.
1: (laughs) You see, uh, I think... They've got this story the wrong way around. I think it's more if you're really successful and if you're really good at your job, you're allowed to swear and throw tantrums rather than if you swear and throw tantrums, you get good at your job.
0: Okay, so what is the people just around you sort of morph to thinking, you know what, Gordon Gordon can do whatever yeah, he likes. I, mean, yeah, that I think sense. that's
1: how he created his persona. If he was just like a happy guy, scrambling eggs... I presume I, I'm. I'm not yeah. a chef.
0: Scrambling <laughs> eggs. I feel like that's pretty low down on the list of things you can cook. I would say. nobody
1: paid him any attention, and then he was like, "I'm really going to effing scramble these m effing eggs," and people, are, oh, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, he's a genius.
0: Does it also kind of miss the point though that flying into a rage is bad for the people around the person? It's, it might be. We, I don't think anyone's ever sort of gone that. Oh, the people who get really angry, it's terrible for them. It's terrible for everyone. If I just went fucking. <laughs> Off the handle right now, it'd be really bad for you guys. It might not be that. I think I could awful take it. For me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've not seen how scary I can get <laughs> for Halloween, actually, mate.
1: I just think it's yeah. I think it all. It feels so good to swear, obviously, but you know, there's a time and a place for us. I um. I remember I was I got banned from a laser hair removal place because I couldn't <laughs> stop swearing when I was... It was so painful. And then eventually like I had to stop going because I kept swearing.
0: Yeah, well, I spoke to a researcher for a podcast ages ago who his wife was apparently swearing loads during childbirth. And rather than thinking oh, about his wife at that point, he sort of thought, well, scientific research can I do around this? And he <laughs> researched the link between swearing and pain. And apparently it genuinely diminishes the amount of pain you feel you know if you're doing exercise and stuff and you you know so if you're out on a run just start screaming and people around you might think you look a bit strange but you could probably run better and you can do more exercise what's the mechanism
2: there does it release like cortisol or something yeah i think it releases
0: something in your brain there and it sort of uh, i think then more roundly it breaks down social barriers with people and stuff like that it's meant to yeah show that you're empathetic i think swearing with people apparently can do if you do it in a sort of there's all sorts of... I mean, when, you're, when you're giving her. birth,
2: you want to make sure you look empathetic and approachable, <laughs> yeah. don't you? That's very much the priority. <laughs> you're making
1: swearing sound like some mad superfood they've yeah. just discovered. <laughs>
0: yeah, eat your greens. So we'll, we'll be sponsored by a swearing company soon, I'm sure. Is this going to let more people whine though, Gronje? The whole nice guys finish last thing is going to, you know, we're going to see a lot of men who think they're nicer than they are going, if only I was more horrible, yeah. I'd be doing great. They perpetuate that stereotype a bit.
1: I hate the myth of, like, the troubled genius who's allowed to act like a real brat because they're so good at what they're doing. And, you know, lots of people just get on with it and they don't swear and they're nice to people. And, you know, I think that should be celebrated as well. I think young, young people listening to this podcast, swearing isn't cool.
0: No, it's cool to be kind. And that marks the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thank you to John for joining us. Thank you very much. And thank you to Gronje. Thank you. Remember, we are now out five days a week and we would be really grateful for your support to carry on making sense of the papers for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. There's no big media owner behind us and we spend £600 a month on newspapers alone. So it would be fantastic if you could chip in a little to keep Paper Cuts on the road. For as little as £3 a month, you can get 20 episodes without advert And if you support us with a little bit more, you can get extended episodes with extra material, plus the coveted Papercuts mugs and T-shirts, which are occasionally modelled by our panel. We're not today. We've let the team down. Uh, Follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com. That's B-A-C-K.papercutshow.com to find out more. And our beloved supporters also get a shout out on the show. Here are some of those now. So from Gronje.
1: Uh, I want to say a big thank you so much to Melinda Haunton. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Woo <laughs> Holdin <haunting. laughs> and John uh, hello and thanks for me to Ian Wilkins son of Frankenstein I just well, Ian I'm so sorry I'd just like to say I didn't write that this has just been put in front of me yeah, that was, please don't unsubscribe <laughs> that was
0: shoehorned in there wasn't it that one and I've got Gabriella Holgraves Graves do you see I'd have gone for Graves and maybe done a little bit of a double double whammy there but there's Graves so yeah happy Halloween I suppose uh, I've been Jacob Jarvis and you've been listening to Papercoats on what's obviously been Halloween but also on a day when the population of the world's smallest village in France has tripled from one to three. As they say, three is a crowd. See you tomorrow.
2: Papercuts was written and presented by Jacob Jarvis with Gronje Maguire and John Ellidge. The producer is Liam Tate, assistant producer Adam Wright, an audio production from me, Robin Lieber. Music by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, design by Jim Parrott and original art by Modern Toss. Our managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison and executive producer Martin Paper Papercuts is a Podmasters production.